the OTV Sports app. Listen to OTV Sports Radio 24-7, plus all your favourite podcasts, including OTV Gold. Are you a complete rookie? The OTV Sports app, available to download now from your app store. The OTV Podcast Network with Virgin Media. Catch all of the UEFA Champions League and Europa League games live on Virgin Media TV. OTB AM. This is OTB Sports Radio. All right, the NFL is back tonight and Mike Carlson is back with us here on OTB AM. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I was just meditating on the Tour de France. You know? <laughs> no, no better That's way to meditate. Greatest, yeah, one of the greatest things I've ever done is cover the Tour de France. One year. It was fantastic. It's, right. it's absolutely amazing. What, what for, for the entire tour or was it a particular section? Just a particular section um, when we had some problems. I was, just went down to sort out some problems with the organizers, but I got to ride in the, the caravan of, of cars behind the Peloton, which go down the mountains or up the mountains as well, two, two abreast on these little mountain roads. And then when someone in the Peloton needs help and like signals, their team car pulls into the middle and everybody else goes to the outside and the team car goes up the middle. And if you're on the outside, you're looking right down the side of the mountain. <laughs> it was like, get me out of here, you know. But it's an amazing event. It's like an Olympic Games. It just consumes you totally for two weeks. Will said here, Ger uh, and I both have been very fortunate enough to, to get over to the Tour de France. And here I was there. A car actually went over that side that you're speaking about, Mike. And uh, thankfully, everybody was okay in it. But those drops are ginormous. They're terrifying. And somebody actually drove right off it but at, at a hairpin bend. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, we must catch up on your cycling history some other time. But uh, tonight, uh, it is very much Kansas City Chiefs against Houston Texans. It's 1.20 Irish time, if you're up for staying late or getting up for it. Um, it's hard to know how things are going to pan out, Mike. My theory is that, I guess, we've got a very clear number one team in the NFL here. We've got a superstar in Patrick Mahomes. And it doesn't help the chasing pack that preseason has been stymied a little bit. It doesn't help much of anybody really um and I'm, I'm not convinced the chiefs are a clear number one uh not even in the afc where i think the ravens are probably going to give them a good run but the two of them are certainly ahead of the rest of the pack and houston is the kind of team you'd expect would have more problems than most because obviously trading away deandre hopkins bill o'brien's trying to institute a sort of new sort of offense with lots of receivers that he can throw to rather than concentrating on DeAndre all the time. He's also got to kind of break in a new running back in, in David Johnson, who has not been the same David Johnson since his knee injury. And you just wonder how that all is going to work, because like every team, they haven't had much chance to try it out under contact, under game conditions, which is really the only way you find out about individual players, the way you find out about how your schemes work. And, you know, I, I just I just wonder if they're going to be ready. Kansas City, on the other hand, returned most of their team if, if um, uh, Duvernay, Duvernay Tardif hadn't stayed in Canada, work in hospitals, basically. Uh, he opted out of the season. Uh, and Damian Williams, the, the tailback, opted out of the season, but they've got a rookie tailback, Clyde uh, um, Edwards-Hilaire, to, um, to take his place. But you don't know how that's going to work out. And you'll be reliant, I suppose, on Mahomes. But if you have to be reliant on somebody, that's a pretty good guy to be reliant on. Hmm. How big an issue is that of teams being affected by the pandemic of players opting out? Are Kansas City relatively unscathed, relatively speaking? 
yeah, I, they should be able to replace one guard. They've got kind of three candidates. I'm not sure who's going to, to win. A couple of teams have been very heavily affected, especially, I think, the Patriots, who um, lost four more or less key players, including one of their tight ends, who they still don't have a replacement for, but, but three defensive starters. And when you looked at the other starters um, – who they've lost in free agency. Their defense is basically like a college team that's graduated all their leathermen and, and having to build from scratch. Uh, the secondary is more intact than the front seven. But I think that, as much as, if not more, than Tom Brady's loss is going to be um, the, the factor that makes this season difficult for the Patriots. How good is Cam Newton going to be? If, he, if he's fit... Is it possible he's back to MVP level? And is the very notion of him being fit actually ridiculous in and of itself? <laughs> that's the, that's the um, whatever it is they gave him to play, $7 million question, I guess. So, you know, he's, he's a bargain. Uh, if, he's, if he's back to his form, MVP form when they went to the Super Bowl, uh, that would be a huge because it would open up things for their offense. Right now their whole running game is questionable, and they don't have a great group of receivers for him. Um, so, so the running threat of Cam would add something. If he's back to where he was two years ago when they went, Carolina went six and two in the first half of the season and Cam was remarkably efficient as a quarterback, that would be fine with them too. Um, I, I suspect that the answer is going to be somewhere in the middle. And if he is fit, they're probably not going to want to risk him running the ball a whole lot, but they're going to use that, um, that kind of threat of options, uh, a little bit to, uh, take pressure off him. Their offensive line is probably back uh, to where where it expects to be. And uh, to me, to me, the question is whether they'll actually be able to put up enough points to get teams to chase them. In which case, having the great secondary that they do will come into play a lot more uh, than it would if teams can keep the ball on the ground against them. And you you think back to when they were beaten in the playoffs by the Titans, and that's basically what the Titans did. Mike, we started the show this morning by asking the question, uh, which of the Glazers sports franchises were more likely to be hoisting a trophy at the end of the year? The odds with the bookmakers are fairly similar. It's 11 to 1, I think, for the Bucks and 12 to 1 for Manchester United to be, uh, to be winning the Premier League. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Um, the Glazers know how to invest and they've done really well with Tampa. Yeah, that, you know, they've had... This is a new, it's almost a new thing um, with them. And, you know, I think they've benefited from taking advantage of a good situation um, whereby signing Tom Brady, and I, I think he's won the quarterback controversy in Tampa, and he's likely to start um, with, with Brady and then Gronk coming along for the ride, as it were. Um, and they were smart in hiring Bruce Arians, and, and not least because Todd Bowles came in that deal, basically, um, having lost the Jets' head coaching job. He was the defensive coordinator for Arians in Arizona. In days when they kept Arizona in games, when after Carson Palmer had got hurt, after his villain had got hurt, you know, they didn't have much of quarterback, but they were able to keep in a lot of games in, in that division. They ran Seattle tough um, a number of years there. And I, I respect his um, coordinator ability a lot, and they've got some real talent on defense, too. I think signing Leonard Fournette when he became a free agent um, with the mismanaged, shall we say, Jacksonville Jaguars, um, got the bookies to put the odds down a bit lower, uh, and 
for good reason, because Fournette in this offense could become a real threat. The kind he could be what we've expected him to be uh, throughout his NFL career. They've got a slight problem now in that Mike Evans appears to have done his hamstring again. Uh, and I'm not sure how long he's going to be out. Um, they don't really have a, like it's hard to have a replacement for Mike Evans. They don't really have a, a solid number three receiver. They were looking at um, Miller as a um, as a slot guy. But they do have three tight ends, including Gronk, who can catch the ball. So you might see some other stranger alignments from them. Uh, the, the big thing with Brady, we've, we've all been saying for months now, is that Arians loves longer, slower developing pass plays. And Brady obviously is not the most mobile guy in the world. He's very good at making time for himself by moving a step here or there in the pocket. But in the last few years, his tendency has been not to stand in to make the, you know, make the, the slower developing throw. If he's under pressure, he gives it up uh, rather than risk a bad throw. Now, how that's going to pan out, whether Bruce Arians is going to change his uh, style a bit, which I think he will, given that he's got three tight ends who can catch the ball um, and, and go with more, more shorter uh, developing plays, more precision plays, that would make a lot of sense to me because, you know, you look at the way Kansas City um, uses the tight ends. There's a couple of other teams that use the tight ends, the 49ers um, being a good example. I think he'll, he'll see that and, and see there's real potential there with O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray and Gronk um, as guys who can stretch the field in multiple directions. I don't know if it makes up for Mike Evans' loss, but um, you know, I don't think that's going to set them back um, terribly for the short term. Yeah, the, the Fournette signing, a, a great news for Tampa Bay Buccaneers, terrible news for any fantasy leagues that drafted two weeks ago before the trade actually happened because he's going to have a lot of competition to get on that ball. Like, if, if we're talking about Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski here, like, surely you look at these guys and say, as the season wears on, they can't possibly produce the sort of output that we were used to five, six years ago. We, we surely can't see that again, Mike, or, or can we? Well, last year was an anomaly for Brady. I think, you know, I think he was unhappy. Their offensive line wasn't good. Um, his receiving core wasn't good. It was a huge disappointment. And I, and I think you could see that both in the way that they played and also in his willingness to leave New England, which I remember coming on, on this show after the season and thinking he would probably stay as they, as they rebuilt. Um, what they needed last year, they were a seven and nine team. And if you take away the turnovers, not just interceptions, but Jameis was also a guy who was vulnerable in the pocket because he didn't have a good sense of where the rush was coming from. So you got a lot of fumbles as well. If you, if you took away the fumbles, um, and the interceptions, they're probably at, at least a 10 and 16, just like that. Because they, they gave away a lot of games um, in, in, the, in the, late, the late stages of games. Now, obviously, you also can't say that without saying, okay, we're going to take away some of the touchdown passes. But Tom Brady threw, what was it, 24, I think, um, last year and, and, or the year, and the year before. If Brady gives them 24 touchdown passes and only throws six or nine interceptions instead of 30 and 30, they're way ahead of the game, which is why I think that there's – will be serious contenders in the um, in the South. I don't think they're as good a team right now as New Orleans is in that first game. <laughs> you know, that, that game on Sunday night is mm. going to be a great one, Tampa and New Orleans. Uh, you know, and uh, we talk a lot about Brady being past it, but Drew Brees is 41 years old. He missed five games last year. 
where Teddy Bridgewater quarterback. Um, so, you know, um, it's going to be a kind of old timers night. I'm, I'm not sure. I should have checked this before I started talking. Um, whether this, whether 43 and 41 is the oldest, I think it was Brady and Josh McCown who set the record for the oldest total combined age of two starting quarterbacks in the NFL game. But 84 has got to be up there. It really does. Uh, like the, yeah, no, I think I think the previous record actually is set by Brady and Rivers. Uh, so I think yeah. this one would surpass it. At least that, yeah, that's River, just from a very... Rivers is, still, Rivers is still in there too. Yeah, uh, obviously, but uh, Rivers is, what, 38 now? 37 at this point. So, uh, yeah, this is it. We're, we're, seeing, we're seeing records getting broken. Um, Jerry, you were making the point earlier on that, like, the QBs around the league are incredible. Like, it, it, like, how quickly has this happened, Mike? Is this... Because uh, you, you'd certainly be talking about crisis mode in that position quite regularly two, three years ago at this point. It now seems all of a sudden, I'm not sure, has offensive coordination just got a lot better or they're recognising the, how to utilise their QB best or, or what's the reason for this? Um, well, I, I think in one sense there's an exaggeration in that if, if you look at teams with quarterback decisions to make like Dak Prescott, um, who's, you know, who's contract is going to expire in Dallas and needs an extension. The longer Jerry Jones waits, the more expensive he's going to get. There's, there's a group of quarterbacks, which is about 10 and D who are, <clears throat> excuse me, who are way ahead of, of the other 20. And, and a, so a premium, I don't like to use the word elite now, but a premium quarterback mm. is still a, a difficult thing to find. But I think what's happened is that, and the NFL has adjusted gradually to the changes in college football notably the spread formations. Um, and that has opened the game up a bit to college, to more college style quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, now when you see Cliff Kingsbury coaching in Arizona and you, and you see Matt Rule getting the job in um, Carolina, these are guys who are being hired particularly for that kind of ability. And, and the interesting thing was this whole system, it's not new in college football, but it's developed slowly by smaller college teams. You know, and Kingsbury and Rule had great success in college to an extent, but that was great success was merely treading water against the really big, big teams. They, these systems were designed to be able to um, overcome teams that had a big talent advantage against you to take advantage of what you could do. And as they've been adapted in the NFL, they've created really interesting um, situations that talented young quarterbacks can come in and take advantage of um, um, right away. And, you know, and, and I think what you look at is a guy like um, Jared Goff, who maybe 10 years ago would have come in the league and be drifting around like a Kyle Bowler or somebody like that. But because Sean McVay was coaching and because he had all of these um, concepts that he'd added to the NFL offense um, from these kind of college ideas. He's able to mold Jared Goff to the point where he's efficient, um, sometimes really good, um, but you can obviously see where his problems might have been before. And, you know, I love the idea that with Lamar Jackson, say we've got a running option quarterback again. Um, there's always the risk in the NFL because defenses are so much better and players, you know, every player has a certain higher level of skill than most college teams that injury is always a worry. Um, we saw, we saw that with RG3, for example. 
Um, his career was sidetracked basically by injury taking away his mobility. In Houston, they tried to keep Deshaun Watson from doing that much running. Cam Newton is, is another uh, obvious example. Colin Kaepernick didn't get injured um, you know, and played really well in San Francisco, but he hasn't played in four years um, for other reasons. So, you know, I, I like the, uh, the variety that you're seeing now. Um, Tennessee is, is an old-fashioned run-the-ball-first, grind-it-out, win-by-defense kind of team. Uh, Baltimore is an option-running attack, which you probably five years ago wouldn't have thought you'd see again in the NFL. Arizona is going to be a wide-open air-raid uh, offense, and I love that variety. That opens up that opens up uh, avenues for quarterbacks who can be well coached, who have talent and can be well coached. You know, but for every yeah. Pat Mahomes, there's a Mitch Trubisky. Well, yeah. Well, look, who, who knows where Trubisky is going to end up this season? Stars make fights, so it, it's going to be a great um, season in that term. One last question, Mike: uh, the prospect of games being stopped for COVID looms very large, given the, the close proximity that's. It's essentially 80 people in the building and the facilities uh, when you include the practice squad and the 53-man roster. So, I mean, uh, look, we're, we're hoping that this season progresses and that uh, everybody is smart and doesn't go out to clubs late at night and doesn't breathe in the fumes of other people. And, you know, but I mean, that's not going to happen, is it? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think it's almost unavoidable. The, the last set of testing that they did um, only one player apparently had tested positive, but, but a number of um, ancillary staff had done. And, and, and that's part of the problem. Uh, and been saying it for a long time, you, even beyond the players on the field, you, you don't want them going out and spreading infection in, the wider, in their wider communities, uh, within the team, within the families, within the friends. It, it comes very, very quickly. And um, you don't have a bubble situation, obviously, um, in the sense that everybody's bubbled the way basketball can be because there's so many fewer players involved. Um, and you can only do, you can only do what you can do with your team. Given that they're young, healthy players, you might see a lot of asymptomatic, uh, people for a while. But given that they have, um, a lot of players who are, either black and or very big. And those are two particularly um, vulnerable categories of people um, with higher levels of infection rates. I think they need to be very, very careful. And I, I, I really think that it's only going to take one or two um, clusters of infection around the league to then make people take things much more or reconsider, say, um, you know, they've added to the practice squad so that they can bring new, new guys in. Um, but at some point, if the integrity of the competition starts to suffer, um, that's going to be as big a, or almost as big a consideration for the league as the possibility of wider spread of infection. The two things together could well be some sort of knockout punch. You know, mm. maybe you pause the season for a few weeks and then you restart. I mean, I don't know, you know, but there's, there's an awful lot of impetus to keep the season going right now. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of celebration that the season is going, but we're, we are walking a tightrope. Well, enjoy the season for as long as it lasts, oh, Mike. I uh, hope so. Th thanks a million for joining us this morning. We'll chat to you again soon. Thanks, Ian. Mike Carlson there on the line, running the rule over the NFL, which begins tonight, 20 past one.
is the kickoff time for Texans against the Chiefs tonight. A great fixture to get things underway. The snap, by the way, is live on Friday afternoon. Jer, Keen, and Ronan giving their expert views. Uh, I guess reaction to that. Are you going to stay up tonight, Jer? Is that is that the thing no. you do on opening night? No. no, no, no. Half one kickoffs. The Thursday night kickoffs are you can't you can't watch them. No, the, the highlights. Can't watch the kickoffs. Can't watch the late nights. What? What? Uh, do, actually, what do you do? I just. I mean, I know. Like, is it very quickly? Is, is it the, the highlights you watch? Do you record the whole game? No, YouTube highlights are amazing. Um, yeah. The NFL's official YouTube channel puts up, um, and they don't tell you the score either. Yeah. So you can watch, and it's like there are different versions of it. So I think there's a 15 minute condensed game, yeah. and uh, it's astonishingly good. Sometimes. I mean, obviously, the first thing you do is you check your fantasy score, Owen. So that's the first thing you do. Obviously. Right? You don't, you don't even need to see the highlights. You just need to go, how did uh, Deshaun Watson and uh, Will Fuller get on? That's all I care about, really. <laughs> OTB AM. This is OTB Sports Radio. The OTB Podcast Network with Virgin Media. Catch all of the UEFA Champions League and Europa League games live on Virgin Media TV. 